Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode number 93 of Good Humans Podcast. Today's episode is a very fun one with my friend Meg Martin, also known as Meg Sutherland by her maiden name on Instagram. Big thank you to our sponsor, Drinker Rep, for always supporting this podcast, The Brain Drink, taking care of our brains. Meg's uh, was a big fan of it, actually. She's really into her sport, really into her health and fitness, and she loved the product. It's a neuroscience drink, taking better care of our brain, short-term performance, long-term brain health, and yeah, just doing some really good things in the world. If you use the code GOODHUMAN over on their website, drinkerrepper.com, you do get a massive 25% off, which is yeah, a pretty big discount for them. Premium product, you're going to love it does good things for your brain. All right, today's episode, Meg is such a good human. She's perfect for this podcast. I was recommended her multiple times. We've caught up a few times over the last few months. She's just a ball of energy, always smiling. And yeah, like I said, the definition of a good human. Her upbringing was pretty interesting. She was involved in um, a sport that I'd never really heard of. I think it's like, not acrobatics, aerobics. Um, But yeah, I just was blown away by her upbringing there's so many different ways that we go through life that we're just so unaware of so yeah it was really interesting what she went through as a kid she then went on to adult life and um, was a bit lost what she wanted to do got into sports science wanted to be a physio and then met her now husband and yeah decided she wanted to take a bit different of a path she's super into her health and fitness got into personal training but then started a thing called the mega run because she was like life doesn't always have to be about getting drunk every weekend and feeling average on a Sunday she was like I want to challenge myself and run 10k every Sunday morning which will make me not go out that evolved into inviting a community of people now she has hundreds of people all around the world doing the mega run every single Sunday which is just epic so I love this chat. I love getting to know her story. Super inspiring young lady and yeah, a great friend of mine now. So let's jump into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Meg Martin. How you going, Meg? So good. Thank you so much for having me, Coops. I'm pumped. Nah, I'm really excited for this chat. We've um, known each other, I guess, for a couple of months now through Harry Bink we met. You actually modeled some of my Good Human merch for me one day. Sickest merch. So good. Which is, um, yeah, very grateful for that. But today's getting to know your story. You're a very interesting young lady who's done (laughs) some amazing things. One of the fittest and most athletic people I've ever met, but also one of the biggest balls of energy. So let's get to know your story. Sick. Well, um, thank you for having me here. Would you want to start from the start? Yeah, well, I'll ask you some questions first. The first question I always open with is, what are you grateful for right now? Mm, Okay. I am so grateful for, first of all, my health. Um, Second of all, my family and obviously my husband and friends. And... um, Third of all, the ability to run and the mega run community. That's the three. And being here, able to share my story with you and the audience. That's sick. 
Yeah, it's going to be really cool. You do some um, amazing stuff. Like you said, Mega Run, we will catch up to that part of your story. But yeah, yeah I want to get to know who you are and why you ended up in the sort of position you're in right now. You obviously just said married, your husband, you're only 25. So there's <laughs> um, some really interesting story to catch up to. But first, I'm going to show you and talk to you quickly about a rapper, our little um, sponsor for this podcast, The Brain Drink. I know you're super into your sports science and taking care of your body. So yeah. a rapper is a brain performance drink. Um, developed by neuroscientists, no caffeine in it. It's like basically a healthy energy drink. So it's got a New Zealand neuroberry, okay. pine bark extract, and L-theanine. So it's like basically for like calming your mind, making you focus, <laughs> but also giving you a bit of an energy boost. Yeah. So need a bit of that. Yeah, it's gonna be perfect. So Sick. it's um, I hope you like black currant because it's so a bit much. strong. But cheers. Should have cheers to you first. There you go. Thank you. So good. I drink so much of this stuff. It tastes like Ribena. Absolutely, that's what everyone it's says. It's really good. Although this is actually developed by neuroscientists, not just big corporations. So <laughs> Yeah, designed to give diabetes. This is amazing. Yeah, Thanks, this stuff's guys. good. But sweet, let's jump into your little, not little, your exciting story. Let's awesome. um rewind back to the start. Where were you born? What was life like as a kid? Family dynamics okay. sort of that you feel like shaped you, maybe your values and stuff as a kid. Yeah. Okay. So was born in Sunnybank and then grew up. Actually, Rochdale and Eight Mile Plains, and then Brisbane? Um, yeah, Brisbane, and then moved to Redlands. Um, but when I was young, young, I was an elite gymnast from when I was I started in kinder gym when I was three. So always did gymnastics from when I was super young, um, and then got taken into high performance at Chandler, which was when I was about I was still under ten. I was super young, and that was hectic training. You do four hours a day um and it was so much I wasn't there for very long just because we uh, it was also important to my family that we were academic as well or at least trying to be academic and so yeah we and I ended up leaving Chandler and went to Robertson which was another really great gym and loved gymnastics but yeah just got to that point where I was just taking up so much of our time that we weren't really even enjoying our childhood as much and I had siblings as well yeah I have an older sister and a younger sister so no boys um but we grace my older sister was also into gymnastics and Piper's always been the one that just does her own thing is always like doing different things um and then when we when we moved to Redlands, we started at Sheldon College, which was a school I went to, which I freaking loved. It was a great school. Um, and then we got into sports aerobics through Sheldon College. And then from Sheldon, we went and did individual sports aerobics when I was about 10 until I was about 16. And so, What's sports aerobics? Yeah, it's an interesting... I, I should have I briefed you on it beforehand. It's a sick sport. So the best way I can explain it is it's bigger in Europe. It's actually huge in Europe. But Australia, unfortunately, even though we're really good at individuals, it's not really well supported. So it's two minutes. It's a two-minute routine um, of, I guess, like... The best way to put it is dance slash gymnastics, but to the in- intensity of CrossFit. That's the best way I can put it. It just looks like people jumping around a stage, doing one-arm push-ups and crazy jumps and things like that. So it set the foundation for what I do now pretty well. Um, but you also have to smile while doing it. So I guess that's why I always smile while I'm in pain. People always ask me, but I'm thinking because I've been trained to do that. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it was a sick sport and it was actually really cool to do sports aerobics from when I was young because I ended up winning worlds in sports aerobics when I was 16. Yeah. So it was a big deal, but, um, 
when I started, I was actually in the bottom team in the back row and the chick in the front row fell on her butt when she did a high leg kick. That's how bad I was. So it took me six years um, to get to the top, but that's one of my favorite stories about yeah, my tell childhood. Yeah, tell me about world championships mm-hmm. for... Um, sports aerobics. Sports aerobics. We like open or junior champ or. Uh, so junior is fourteen to sixteen. Yeah. Actually, I was fifteen when I won because I didn't expect to win, um, and it it actually was a really pivotal part in when I realised how important it is to love what you do because I I won when I was fifteen, which is no one normally wins when they're not top age group, mm. um, and so I didn't expect it to come. I just was really on the top of my game at the time. And actually the previous year I'd broken my wrist. So I was coming back off an injury. So I just had no expectations, but loved what I was doing. Where were the world champs? Um, that year was in, um, I think it was in Amsterdam. And it was through your school? Well, we started at school and then we went to a club. Um, and it was interesting because clubs always have that little bit of, um, I guess it's a female dominated sport. Dudes do do it, but not many. Um, and clubs always have that girl, I guess, um, some people are nice, some people are not so nice. And I was actually at that gym until I was 15. The year I turned 15, I went, went out on my own and trained myself. And that was the year that I won, which was really cool because not everyone had been that nice to me in previous years at the club. So to go out on your own and then just use that as motivation to drive you and smash it, that was a huge achievement for me, so I was stoked. Uh, so, yeah, talk me through the event. Like, how does a sports aerobic event okay. happen in Amsterdam when you're 15 in high school still? <laughs> that is that is true. Mum came over with me. But when you – so you compete throughout the year. You compete at states and then you do nationals in Australia and then if you qualify, obviously, worlds. And they take top three female individuals um, and there's obviously different ca- categories to age group. And then the main countries that participate is – Czech Republic and Russia, they're the main leading ones. Um, And then Australia, that's probably the top three countries. Germany does it as well. Um, And then they just choose where they're going to have worlds. It actually was in Australia one year um, in the Gold Coast at the convention centre, actually. Um, But it's just so not well known in Australia. So the crowds would be much better if it was in Europe. And I think it was challenging having it in Australia because all the European athletes, some of them struggled to come. Mm. So it was got better going over there. Um, but at the actual competition, you do prelims, if you qualify semis and then finals, but obviously you know where you're positioning after all of them. So the biggest surprise was actually the first one because after prelims, I was at the top and I just could not believe it. So it was, it was the best feeling. I still to this day think, um, Obviously, aside from meeting the person that I'm with for the rest of my life, it was one of the best days of my life. Um, But what I think is more, taught me more was actually the following year I went back when I was 16 and I had a lot of pressure on me to win because I won the previous year. And that is all I did the whole year was focus on winning. And so I made the hardest routine, this routine that was just crazy hard. So what's in a routine? You're doing like different push-up handstands and like different (laughs) single leg squats. You can't go vertical. So you don't do handstands or back salts. There's a different style of of aerobics where you can, but it's, you have to be able to show strength on both arms. Um, So like one-on-one leg push-ups on both arms and at the start and at the end of your routine so strength throughout the whole time um you've got to show flexibility on your right and left and middle splits you've got to um 
show that you can jump with energy and maintain your energy throughout the routine. You've got to point your toes and smile. There's actually so much that goes into an aerobics routine. Um, and you do that routine throughout the whole year. So you'll have things, you always have pretty much the same skills. You might progressively make them a little bit harder throughout the year, but your routine technically stays mostly the same since the start of the year, unless you just randomly want to change it. But it's risky to do that, obviously, because you're going up against someone who has practiced the whole year. Yeah, you practice those two minutes the whole year. Wow, it's so, what an interesting kind of chapter of your life without... Not many people really know. Like, I've never heard of it until just then. Yeah. So it's um yeah, fascinating. So while you're doing this through high school, you're obviously juggling full-time training. I can yeah. imagine if you're world champion of something, you're yeah. at the very tip of the elite. Yeah. So you're training full-time throughout high school. How were you sitting like academically? And what did you think when you won that world title, mm. your future was going to look like? Were you like, I want to continue this career? Or mm. was that a bit of a turning point? You know what? I've got to the top now. I can go to do something else. Yeah. Well, I guess with aerobics, there's not really that much opportunity unless you want to be a coach or start your own club, which was a possibility. But I actually have always wanted to be, well, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a vet. So I know curveballs <laughs> left, right and center, but um, I just loved animals, loved wildlife um, and being outdoors. And I just thought, well, you just be a vet if you like animals. So, um, I mean, first of all, I just want to talk about the com- going to Worlds the second time after I yeah, won. Yeah, 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 let's go Because there. that's Sorry. really pivotal in what happened with me was when I went back that year because all I'd focused on was winning, I actually ended up coming second by point one. Oof. So second by point one. And whilst it, I mean that point one is irrelevant. You still come second and that's brilliant coming second. It's a huge Mm. achievement. But I was so disappointed that it felt like the whole year of my training was wasted. And it made me realize that unless you were doing something purely because you love it, the win's not worth it. So unless I had won that year, the whole year would have felt wasted. So after that, I thought about going back and redeeming myself and everything like that. But once I started training, I just thought I'm doing the exact same, making the same mistake that I did last year in, I was only training to win and not because I loved it. And that realization has changed so much of the rest of my life, which is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing now and not pursuing what I thought I should do. Um, so I decided to stop aerobics after that and I got into gym from there, which is, um, really good. And then progressively into running later in life. Um, can you remember that sort of period post losing yeah. that aerobics event? Obviously what 16 year old girl, last couple of years of high school, yeah. put in all this work and not achieve your dream. Yeah. Where were you mentally through that stage and how did you come to the realization that, wait, if I don't love this, cause it's a pretty mature thing to realize at a young yeah. age. Yeah, I, I, I feel so lucky that I actually experienced it. Um, and initially when it, when I first came second, I was just so disappointed in myself. Thought, man, you should have worked hard. You should have done this. You should have done that. And I hard, like, I'm guessing so it's a subjective hard. sport too, judging yeah. by judges. So like you could have gone either way if it's yeah, that close. Yeah, of course. And I mean, the girl that won's phenomenal. And what actually happened in the sport as well was it went from you win doing the hardest routine to you win doing a routine that is 
challenging but extremely well executed mm-hmm. is in it's it transitioned from being a bit more complex to simple routine that is super clean and absolutely nailed yeah, perfected. so i had this crazy routine which is stupidly hard and then this girl who won had much more of a basic routine but was super fast and super clean and i think it looks i actually think it's a good transition for the sport because her routine was phenomenal mm. um but it was just that's just how it happened but had I been doing it because I loved it, I wouldn't have regretted that whole year as much. So I just, I just lost the love for the sport a little bit. Um, and that's, that's what happened. So mm-hmm. it was, it was hugely, um, I think I was sad for a little bit afterwards and reflecting on how I could have gone harder. And then I just realized, and I actually started training for the following year to come back and win. But then I just thought, what am I doing this for? As in, there's so much other, th- there's so many other things in my life. I mean, I never, in high school, I never really got, I didn't go out to social things because I was either training or I was um, studying. That was all I did because academics were really important to me as well because I wanted to be a vet. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I'm, I guess I missed out on a lot of that. And so that year that I stopped was actually grade 12. So it wow. was it was nice for me to go to these social events and um, not feel guilty for going, I guess. Um, and not that I didn't even really feel guilty. It was just always my priority to go train. Yeah. I loved training. So, yeah, that's that's what happened really. So what about once you did finish? Quite often when you finish a sport and let's call it retire, you lose a pretty big part of yourself. Yeah. How was that for you at such a young age, something that had taken up so much of your time and such a big passion of yours yeah. to just completely be wiped? Yeah. Was that pretty hard? Um. Yes and no. Because I'm just, I'm super competitive. I'm stupidly competitive. It's annoying. So I just needed to find something else to channel it into. But had I not, I would have, I definitely would have struggled. So I think I obviously channeled it into my academics and also just, I started going to the gym properly as in I was doing gym to help me with my aerobics training, but the focus was aerobics and the gym was complementing. And so then I started I just continued the training in the gym and got really into that. And that's when I guess I started doing Instagram a little bit more as well. Um, Yeah. So I think like that, just being competitive with yourself, I realized because I did also train myself for a long time. I was just used to training Mm. by myself. And I guess without someone consistently there telling you to train harder, I've always had, I have always had that mindset that I I, I want something more. So I'm, I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, going out. And I, I did get a little bit into partying when I was in, or I tried partying when I was in grade 12, but I, to be completely transparent, I was never a huge partier. Mm. Um, I actually, I had my drink spiked in the Gold Coast when on my second night out as an 18 year old. And after that, I just sort of hate that feeling of not being in control. So which I, are you still doing your sober thing? Yeah, I haven't had a drink in 10 months. That is so sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Life-changing? So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, I've always said that it's just like a year challenge, not like a forever yeah. stopping. But, I mean, everything in my life has kind of grown from a business point of view, from yeah. like friendship, from I feel like myself personally, mm. the last 12 months or like especially the last 10 months since I stopped, like so many things have started to fall into place Sick. in my life. So I wouldn't say it's directly yeah. because of it. It was great timing. Yeah. But I um would definitely say that the stopping drinking has just like allowed me so many more days to go for runs yeah. on the weekend, days to actually rest because <laughs> we like, 
forget that I used to always think like, oh, hangover Sunday is like still me getting a full day of rest, but <laughs> yeah. it's like not at all. It's like takes you a day to get over the hangover mm-hmm. and then you like need another day to rest. So it's, yeah, yeah it's just been interesting, like kind of noticing how mm-hmm. dominant alcohol is in so many of our lives, especially mm-hmm. at our age, sort of in your 20s. It's like everything is revolved around alcohol, but yeah. I feel like there is a bit of a shift from like the stuff you're doing, the work mm-hmm. I do, like a lot of our friendships and the people around us i feel like are starting to be far more conscious about it which is i think Mm, a good thing definitely agree yeah it's definitely the time finances health you just don't realize how much of an impact it has until you stop yeah which i think is so sick do you drink now no i haven't drunk since i haven't drunk since my birthday two years ago wow so not last year the year before um but before that, I was only very on and off. Yeah, yeah. And the occasional... Um, and usually probably because it was sort of like you felt obliged to because everyone else was. Yeah. I just thought that was what you were supposed to do. As mm. in, it's cool that people like you are changing the culture that you don't have to do that. And Mega Run does the same thing, being on a Sunday. Mm. It means that people don't want to drink on Saturday because they want to come and get after it on a Sunday. And I just think it gives people, everyone wants to meet friends and that's at the moment one of the main ways to do it. But I think the cool thing on the Gold Coast now is obviously you get to go and meet people at gyms, you get to go to run clubs, you get to go to out for a surf and that's how you and meet And all the cool like breathwork communities. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff happening on the Goldie for like young people to start yeah. challenging that status quo. But mm. let's go back to the end of high school for you. You finished school. How'd you go in your, uh, your final school exams? Yeah. And was it, all right, I'm going to go be a vet? Or yeah. where did life take you once school finished? Okay. Well, I didn't think I... Oh, so I got an OP3, which I know they use ATAR now, yeah. but it's a 1 to 24 scale. And I was stoked with that. So, um, to, but to be a vet, you need an OP1. So I just didn't have the understanding that how easy you could go into uni and then transition over to vet. I just didn't understand um, and so when we, when I, st- I chose my second passion and went into uni and did my Bachelor of Exercise and Nutrition. I was about to say sports science, surely. Yeah, <laughs> because there's pathways to it. You could do yeah. dietetics or physio or ex-phys or whatever. Um, and so I went to start that. I really enjoyed the degree, but, um, and I did really well. I, I think my first year I didn't do so well because I think I had glandular fever or something so I was a bit crook but then my second two years I calculated that in order to get into vet I needed straight sevens or straight sevens except for one or something like that and so I just worked so hard and I I ended up getting pretty much straight sevens except for one and got into vet which was huge for me um from like exercise science you get sidestepped to vet okay so but I no I graduated my degree and upon graduation I got accepted um or I think I had to do one more subject after that and then I got accepted into vet and so when I got accepted I I actually took a year off after the bachelor did that one extra subject so I was just working while doing that subject then got accepted into vet but what I realized in that time too was do I really want to be a vet I didn't really know what I wanted to do I just know I loved animals but I also love fitness and then so I actually took the, the following year after that, which I felt like it was a risk because I just wanted to get my uni done, get my stable job, get a husband, married, whatever. Like I just thought that's what you do in life. Um, and so I actually went and worked in a vet in reception for a year, um, which to me did seem like a risk. And I think I'm, it seems very smart Yeah, well, to understand if you like the mm, environment. 
I'm so lucky that I did because I would have gone and studied five years, come out with a debt, which is fine if you love what you're doing, but and then but then you feel like you have to do that because you've just spent the five years. So I went and did it. I actually really enjoyed it, but I just found that it's um, it's actually really underpaid and overworked. And not to mention that the more important one is that I would have found it very hard putting down animals that didn't need to be put down, as in everyone always says, oh, I couldn't be a vet because you have to put down animals. But when they're ready to go, I didn't have a problem doing that. It was more if something happens where they a dog breaks their leg and the owner can't pay for it, then it's mm. you're supposed to put it down. You don't have to, but technically, well, technically yeah. you do because they're not going to treat it. You can't leave it with bro- broken leg. But that's the sort of stuff that I just wouldn't have yeah, enjoyed. Yeah. So I made the decision that if I wanted to do do something with animals, I would just commit to being a wildlife carer later in my life or something like that, just volunteering my time. And that I was going to go harder with the fitness stuff because that was when my Instagram did start to gain a little bit more traction. And I just loved getting those messages when someone would say, Meg, you inspired me to go to the gym or you inspired me to do a leg workout or whatever it was that really filled my cup. And so I just, I never thought that I could make a proper career out of it, but I just thought, oh, well, I'm really enjoying it. What else could I do? What sort of content were you posting? Were you doing like gym-based content or running-based content? Gym. Gym. Yeah. I still did, I did a lot of sprints because in aerobics it's two minutes. We did a lot of sprint recovery stuff on the treadmill, but mainly um, gym yeah, because I, I definitely didn't have the muscles that I have now. I used to be quite little, but also, like, I was a kid. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that was when I, I was seeing a physio a lot through aerobics, and he said, you'd make a great physio. Why don't you just go and try physio? So then I went and tried physio, got accepted into bachelor of physio at Griffith Uni at the Gold Coast, and then I also that was when I moved to the Gold Coast. So moved to the Gold Coast. How old are you here? Um, oh, Two years, so five years out of school. So I don't yeah. even know how old that is. You finished when you're 17, uh, yeah, 22 Yeah, so started physio. And I just remember being, after the first year, I remember being in class and everyone was just so passionate about it. And I just thought, oh, I don't really feel like that. I, I mean, I love learning about the human body, and but I don't really love treating people, at least not in the nicest way possible. It's just... I don't, didn't want to treat people who had injuries. I wanted to help people who were functioning realize they're capable of more, which is mm. what I'm doing now. But I also had, this is weird. I always used to say to my mum, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be doing physio. I just feel like I'm going to meet someone and they're going to teach me about business and show me what I'm supposed to do. And you asked my mum, I reckon I've said it to her about 50 times before I met Will. And I didn't even realize when I met Will that that was what was going to happen. Will's my husband. Um, But yeah, so I started physio, realized I wasn't really loving it, but didn't know what else to do. And then met Will. So Yeah, where'd you meet Will? Let's talk about his story and what Will does. Yeah, I think his... um, I think his brother actually was following me on Instagram and ended up showing him a photo of me and just said, you should hit this chick up. And at the start of the time, actually I've missed a little section. So at in 2020, I ran a marathon with my dad and it was off the back of no training. I just thought my, I'd, I'd run a half marathon in Hawaii with some of my friends and that was the first big run that I did. They just decided to train for it. So I thought this would be sick. I'll, I'll, I'll tap in and do that too. And it was an amazing race. 
And then that was the start of getting into longer distance running. And so I came back from that and I had a bit of a hip injury and they wanted me to take rest and just see if that helped. So I took literally three months off everything, which for me was more challenging than training. Mm. So um, just really started focusing on on reading. And that was when I listened to a podcast by David Goggins and Rich Roll, which really changed everything for me. Um, it was one of his older ones from 2017, but just hearing his story and just thinking, man, like if he can do that, what can I do? It just, it just made me um, feel like what I was doing and what I wanted to do, I was on the right track. So then I had taken the three months off and me doing the half had actually inspired my dad to do the full because he used to always do halves, um, but he'd never done a full. And he's he was, I think he was 60 at the time and he had just had a hip replacement in the past year or something and just decides he's going to do a marathon. What a legend. Yeah. And I thought, man, I don't know the next time that dad's going to do a marathon. So I ended up just signing up the day before to the Gold Coast Marathon and just thought I'm going to do it with dad. In 2020. 2020, I think. So before COVID. <sighs> I yeah. did that last year in 2022. No, 2020 Sick. was COVID year. It must have been 2019. You did a marathon. Yeah, I did the Goldie Marathon last year. That is so Same sick. thing. I signed up the day before. I was like, they started setting up in front of my house here on my street. It's calling me. And I was like, well, when am I ever going to get to run past my own house? Mm. And I'd done a little bit of running. Like I'd done 30Ks once just because I'd listened to a Goggins mm. podcast with Joe Rogan and then read his book and was like, oh, you're a pussy. You can run. So I started running like on the treadmill and then running a little bit. But I'd never run more than like... 10 15 k's and then i'd done one 30k one and then yeah i was like you know what it's in front of my house when am i ever gonna do it so i went for a 5k run and i was so sore and i was like fuck screw it and i just like went down to the convention center paid grabbed my beer and then went the next morning and did the 40ks (laughs) so sick painful so sick though how much do you learn about yourself it's like i love the i love the mindset of and i think goggins speaks about it how it's like your mind goes for a bit yeah. and you let your body like take over, like nah, body can handle it. And yeah. then like your mind's in a good place and your body just deteriorates, but you like keep your mind going like, nah, you can do it. And it's just yeah. like a game of ping pong between your mind and your body hating yeah. each other. You just got to grab whatever you can. Yeah. But I love long distance running mainly because it forces you to figure out what individually motivates you mm. because you can't fake it when you're running that long. You have to find can't be what you what you motivates you can't be what motivates me mm. or else it's not going to get me through so i love it because it forces people to figure out why they're doing it yeah. and what really matters to them because you have to or you won't get through that distance or even more going on into ultras yeah well, you definitely we're, won't we're gonna catch up to that because your story yeah. is pretty crazy the last couple of years but mm. yeah let's talk about your meeting will how um did that come into your life you said i'm guessing yeah. it's about to turn into some sort of business story because you said you're waiting yeah. for this business person to come into your life so mm. where'd you meet me will and what was that next year like well he messaged me on instagram and oh this is why i was talking about the marathon was because i did that marathon got through it it was hard but then i realized that obviously it was hard for four and a half hours or whatever it took me and then i think it wasn't until a year later that i thought that was hard and required a lot of discipline on the day but what about long-term discipline? I feel like that's something that, especially our generation, everything being so convenient and mm. like available straight away, just thought that's something that we're all lacking a bit of. So I thought, and I'd also just moved to the Gold Coast. There's a huge party scene and everything, and everyone pesters you on Saturdays to go out. And so I thought, I'm just going to commit to running 10Ks every Sunday. And that was the start of 2020. 
2021 or 2022, 2021. And um, so when I decided that people just stopped asking, if I said, oh, I can't come tonight, I've got 10Ks to my morning, people just go, okay, no worries. And also I just realized it was going to be a challenge to show up for myself, by myself every Sunday, rain, hell or shine, no matter how I was feeling. So I started doing the 10 and then Will's brother saw me post a photo of me doing the 10s and then Will messaged me and asked to come for a run. And at the time I was just really in my own zone, didn't really want to go and meet any boys or anything like that. Um, but it was actually my housemate at the time knew of him and said, Meg, you've got to go because at least he'll introduce, uh, like he'll teach you about business. And I thought, okay, fine. As in, he was a great looking dude, super fit, but just not, I just wasn't in the headspace that I wanted to meet anyone. But anyway, she convinced me because I wanted to learn about business. So I went along to the run and we ended up smashing out a 10K in some stupid time. It was fast and we were talking the whole time. (laughs) And I came home and I just thought, excellent. I didn't want to meet someone. Now I have. I have no choice but to like him. Um, And so, and then when I was running with him, he asked me about physio. And he had just started reading um, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. On my bookshelf. Yeah, right there it's somewhere. you. I was looking at your bookshelf. You've got some really good ones over there. There is. Borrow um, any you want. Yeah, sick. <laughs> and he, he. So he had just read that book, and he actually has a very successful business himself. Um, but I guess wasn't, well, isn't as fulfilled doing what he's doing as he could be. So, um, he encouraged me to. I said I wasn't loving physio, but I didn't know what else I would do. He said, well, do you love fitness? Like sometimes it's easy to figure out what you don't want to do Mm. rather than what you do. So he encouraged me to um, defer my physio degree. And then I um, actually started doing PT, which I never, I always thought I just wouldn't be a PT. And you had like your degree from exercise science at uni, so you could go and do that pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, it wasn't that I have a problem with PTs. I just thought. I would just, I just never thought I would be one, mm. but I just thought, okay, well, I've been asking for someone to give me some direction. Maybe this is it. So I just started listening to everything he said and, um, he, we made the moves and he helped me build the PT business. His sister's also got an incredible PT business. So I was getting a lot of advice from her as well. And I just started doing that. And initially I did really enjoy PT as well. Um, but then I just also found it wasn't really what I wanted to do either um more so because I found I found that it wasn't so much about the training that you were giving and because it was on such an individual basis and on the other side we were starting mega run I liked having I didn't like doing I felt like I was having more um I guess effect and helping more people through doing something like mega run than just the one-on-one PTs so I mega run started happening because Will said the reason why you're running is so sick because I told him I run every Sunday to build Mm. discipline because I personally believe that true confidence comes from from what you're capable of doing so through discipline you can build the confidence you're capable of discipline equals freedom yeah great quote by Jocko Willing yeah I think Kipchoge says something similar to that Mm. Um, it makes sense because you hear discipline and you think discipline equals freedom. It's like if you don't have the discipline to be able to get up and go train every morning, then 
you don't have any freedom. You're at the no. mercy of the inner bitch. And you, well, so inner bitch true. is a bad even way to call it because it's just the inner voice that we all have saying, no, 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 you can sleep in this morning. Yeah. No, 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 you can like have that coke. Like, like, or it's just a lack of self-awareness. So, yeah, yeah. I think that discipline equals freedom. It's a great book actually by Jocko Willink um, and Sick. Extreme Ownership, two good ones. I'll give you Extreme Ownership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's you. You can take that one with you. That would be great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Mega Run. So you're dabbling in PT. Mm. You've met this new guy. Life's starting to take a bit more shape. Yeah. But actually it felt like it was falling apart because I just oh, – yeah. oh, The, 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 <laughs> the, the conventional life that I thought I was going to have in terms of go to uni, get your degree, start working, buy a house, marry someone, have kids. All those things is how I thought life is supposed to go. And – So it was actually felt feeling like I was taking huge risks and it was important. My family knew I was smart. So they were thinking that my family is so supportive, but they were also thinking you should just keep going with physio. Don't go all in. But it's my belief that if you're passionate enough about something, you've got to go all in Mm. or it's never going to work. Especially in your twenties. Yeah. Take the risk now because you have no responsibilities and you just fall back on, on your family or your friends. You don't have kids. If you're lucky enough. Yeah, that is true. But yeah, very true. yeah, you in your circumstance, kids. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then so he said, we should, other people would love this. So it was um, just you two going for this Sunday run there yeah. for a few weeks. Yeah. And then uh, for the full one week, actually. And then the following week, he said, we should just invite some of our friends. And I put up a story on my social media and I, I didn't even have 10,000 followers at the time or I'd just gotten 10,000 or something. And... I put up a story saying, if you want to come and join, this is where we're going to run from. We're just going to hit 10Ks every Sunday. And the first week, no one came because it poured rain. So Will and I just ran in pouring rain. And then the second week, I did it again. And a lot of our friends came, or about 10 of our friends came. And then two, three people came for the first time that were randoms. And I, when they, when random people showed up, I just thought, what the heck, this is crazy. And there were certain three, but I just thought the fact that people who don't even know me would believe in what we're doing is so cool. So one of them that turned up is now actually one of my closest friends, Lauren, she's such a legend and she's still there every Sunday. Um, And so after that, I just thought, man, we gotta go way harder with this. So there was about 16 people that week, following week, just pumped it again, it doubled in size, doubled in size, doubled in size. And then the thing was that initially I never got up and did a speech about what it was about because I didn't really know what it Mm. was. But then now it was, I think, maybe the third week will put me on the spot, which I do not like public speaking at all. I'm I'm better at it now. But if you asked me to do a monologue in school, that would have been my worst nightmare. Hated speaking. Um, And Will just said in front of everyone, okay, Meg's going to get up and give a speech. I just remember thinking I wanted to murder him because I didn't know what to say, got up and bumbled my way through some kind of speech. But it it forced me to think about it for next week. What am I actually going to say? And what I think helped me with my public speaking was rather than thinking, how are you perceiving what I'm saying? I was thinking, what do they need to hear to change their life or Mm. to understand what we're doing. And when you think about the audience that you're talking to and what they need to hear, so much easier to just talk passionately and relax. And it doesn't matter if you make a mistake because Mm. it only matters to, to you if you make a mistake, if you're thinking about how you're being perceived. So for me, that definitely helped a lot. And then it was also, I think COVID started happening. Um, And so people just started running because we were allowed to do outdoors. Um, 
events, but it just blew my mind that I'd first moved to the coast and found it hard to meet friends, but there were so many people who wanted to get after it on a Sunday. And yeah, I've just, ever since everyone that's come to Megaron just has incredible stories and is so genuine. Uh. It's so sick. I've just never, I've never, there's probably our communities like that, but I've just never come across any. Um, I guess because I used to be shy and I used to be fearful and I never would have probably even attended a run club, let alone hosted my own. So Yeah, so let's talk about what Mega Run is. Like is that your like job now? Do you make money off it now through sponsorship or people to so, people pay or is it free? Um Mega Run's always gonna be free. Yeah. Because I just don't want that there be yeah. any limitations for people to come. And because we just love it. It's yeah. like if you do charity work, we get paid. It just doesn't feel as good. So Megaron's always going to be free, but ultimately we do want to do something around that for our lives, as in we want to we want to work our passions. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually just launched a run program um, called Run Mega 8-Week Evolution, which is everything that in, I guess, an 8-week program that has running and um, nutrition advice, but the core of it is actually mindset. So it's a program that teaches you how to develop the mindset that I did. It's all my past experience over the last, I guess, four years from going to, from being shy, being somewhat negative and having a bit of a chip on my shoulder to being able to do anything I put my mind to and just loving life. So that program, that program is charged. Yeah. What's been one of the biggest mindset shifts you've had that's taken you on this path that has opened you up to be the bubbly, amazing person you are now to be able to, yeah, confront challenges head on and just know that you can overcome stuff because it's quite a rare mindset, especially for someone who's young. And then on top of that, for a young woman, yeah, it's pretty spectacular what you've created and the opportunity you've given to so many other people to come be involved. So, yeah, when was the turning point for you? Well, it's weird. My mum said it was like I just woke up one day and I was completely different. So I always try and remember what happened. But I think the biggest part was I realised that while I would I would blame people for why I wasn't where I wanted to be or blame things or whatever, and I just realised the only person that loses from you blaming is you. And whilst it feels good in the short term, you're still stuck in the same situation that you don't enjoy. So I just realized me being a bit fearful and is me missing out on my life. As in, I can't blame anyone else for that because that's that's my problem. Or me being even shy, not that there's anything wrong with being shy, but if you don't ask, you're not going to get. And so I was thinking, man, all these people are having incredible lives and they're loving their lives and I wasn't loving mine. And I, I was blaming everyone else. And so just that realisation of, hold on a second, the only person that's holding you back is you. And then from there, I just started to do everything that scared me. So even little things, like if there was a spider in the house, I don't like spiders, I would be the one catching it. And just, I think, realising that whilst you can put things out of reach, they're actually not out of reach. It's your, what you can do is your perception and how you experience life is your perception of how you experience it. Um, so just being able to, like you said before, take back control of your own life. It's, it was just sick. It just changed everything for me. And also I think, especially when I got into running, realizing that there is a way to, you can use running as a tool to develop a stronger mind. Mm. Because I obviously had a strong mind. I was a gymnast and an aerobics athlete. But 
just realizing that you can you can physically change it yourself was huge for me um so I just started running and pushing myself and confronting my fears and and also when I met Will it was a big big turning point for me too he showed me even more so how much more things are possible and that you don't have to go down the conventional route Mm. if that's not what you want to do um because yeah I, I trusted him so much by leaving physio doing PT and then starting mega run putting myself out there um and then I ended up leaving PT to focus more on mega run. And I got sponsored by Gymshark at that time. So that was when I was focusing on, um, my social media and mega run, which is super enjoyable. And then I've been lucky enough now to, I'm, I'm actually not working with any brands officially at the moment. I'm just really enjoying, um, mega run and run mega and just being really, really specific about who I partner with because I'm just not willing to even for a second sacrifice what I believe in for any paid money or any sponsorship and Mm. that's how I always want to be with any of my partnerships not saying that there was any problems with Gymshark but I I was in an exclusive contract but I wasn't 100% wearing their clothes which doesn't sit right with me so just being able to hold myself super accountable to Everything that um, every decision I make, actually, sorry to keep talking. No, no, you're doing good. The, the biggest thing that I realized is your confidence comes from your trust in yourself. So if you say to yourself, "I believe in this," but then you go against that, it's it's going to eat your, yeah, your confidence up. Yeah, your mm. integrity. That's so true. Or if you say, "I'm going to go and run five k's," and then you run two, it actually eats away at you you've got to practice doing what you say to yourself you're going to do it doesn't matter what you say to anyone else but if you tell yourself and this is a lot of what I write in the run mega program if you say I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up at 5 a.m every day and then you keep snoozing your alarm that's and eventually it keeps telling yourself that you don't respect yourself enough to hold hold yourself accountable to it so um that was a big realization for me as well was just you have to commit you have to do everything you're committed to doing and, um, you know, just seeing how far I can push it, finding confidence in what I can do rather than how I look or what I have. Yeah, just full extreme ownership, which is such a great mindset to have. Yeah. And it's so cool to see it where you achieve. Let's talk about some highlights for Mega Run. What's been yeah. your biggest event? How big is the community yes. now? Like, yeah, tell, tell us where Mega Run's at now and if people want to come get involved, how they can. Sick. Well, Mega Run now, so we've got four, five main locations, um, which are our actual organized hit out. So Mega Run is the act of getting up on a Sunday and sending a 10K run before 7.30 in the morning. That's that's when you do it because it's designed to be hard because if you do the things that are hard, you build that discipline and the confidence you're capable of more. And um, you can do it wherever around the world. And we actually have a challenge we call the Mega Run 52 Challenge, where you commit to doing 52 Mega Runs in a year. So you can start at any time, but you cross off the dates from when you start. And completing those, it's like doing a year of sober. Um, You've obviously seen how much it changes in the rest of your life as well. And just getting up on that Sunday and smashing your Sunday, I just think it sets up the whole rest of your week Mm -hmm. as well. And then you make better decisions during the week because you think, oh, I want to have a good run on the weekend, don't want to eat junk food or whatever it is. So that's one of our challenges. So you can find that on Instagram. It's at the Mega Run 52 challenge. There's a couple of little extra rules for it. Um, And then Mega Run, we also have the hit out locations, so specific locations where people get together. 
Um, and every yeah, I've done one of them. It's super yeah, fun. So sick. And then we just have a couple of events during the year. We just had one to celebrate the launch of the Run Mega Eight Week Evolution program on the Gold Coast, which was so sick. Um, Red Bull came, Oakley was supporting it, and High Vibes and Roots Recovery. So that was so much fun. And then at the end of the year, we always have these things we call Mega Mega Runs, which is like the Christmas party of Mega Run, I guess you could say, just to celebrate everyone that has absolutely sent it throughout the year and, um, yeah, what everyone has achieved. So we all get together, the same sort of companies come and we just have this huge celebration, which is so much fun. And if that's you, if that's the main one, I think that's the only that's one you've been to. Yeah, yeah. That was such a sick one to have you guys at. So, so we're on the Gold Coast or like where a few of the locations yeah. that if people want to come down and get involved on a Sunday and we'll leave everything in the show notes with your um, Instagrams and stuff Thank for you. it. But yeah. So Gold Coast is um, the location that I'm at every single weekend. It's um, meeting at 5.30 run by 6 at Talabudra Creek Park. But we also have a location in Brisbane on Saturdays because it was the second location to ever start. So I couldn't be in two places at once. Um, we also have Brighton, Melbourne, and Auckland. So okay. that's our locations at the moment, which you can get the details for at the Mega Run, which is at the Mega Run on Instagram. I've got to get you to bring your community. I'm doing a thing with Drink a Rapper where I'm going to do like a gratitude and meditation morning Sick. on Sunday, the 26th of March. Awesome. I've got to make sure this episode comes out before then, but it's in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so I'm like doing a thing with a rapper, so maybe I can like push my time back so like your crew can well, like they, they, it's they at Mermaid Beach, so it's so. like maybe we can like aim to you to change it to Mermaid instead of Tally for that weekend. Well, see how we go. The trouble is, unfortunately, so. the Gold Coast Council is not super supportive with the sound that we make. But being in Talabudra, there's no houses uh. around there, so we we get away with having because we pump the tunes, get yeah, excited. Yeah. It's all it's all a big. Um, positive vibes. How many people are coming to your average week now? Man, every every Gold Coast weekend there's at least 100, but on the past weekend there was, I reckon, 250 came to the event, which was sick. But every weekend 100. And just of the sickest positive people. The best way that I explain coming to a mega run is that you could come and say, man, I want to be an astronaut. And they're not going to say, man, that's a stupid idea. They're going to say, okay, sick. How are we going to get you a spacesuit? It's just that's the kind of people that come. They just want to see you do well. And I think the power of getting around people who are not going to be putting you down for the the big dreams that you have is so key to mm. actually having the confidence to doing it. The community is everything, which is um epic. So make sure you go check out Mega Run and get Sick. down there. Thanks. The last little thing I want to um quickly talk about is your ultra that you ran recently yeah. and also getting to meet David Goggins, someone who obviously is a big hero of yours. Yeah. So... You met Goggins right before it, yeah, yeah, like the day before. So let's talk about meeting Goggins, how that came about, and then the advice he gave you going yeah. into your first ultra, which, yeah, then you can explain the ultra and what your Sick. body and mind went through for that. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty gnarly. We actually did 100Ks in November last year, so that was my first okay. ultra. But that was that was challenging for me because if you go on into an ultra, and this is actually the advice that Goggins gave us, was that if you go into an ultra and you look at the whole race for what it is from the start, you think, man, I've got to run 100Ks or I've got to run 160Ks, you're it, it's hard to keep your mind mm. screwed on as in you when things get hard you just go holy heck just kaboom so the best way to do it is to take it aid station by aid station and that was a mistake I made in the hundred is I was thinking about the hundred so I struggled I found it really hard I obviously knew I was going to get it done but I was pretty upset 
But in the miler, I just thought, so the 100 miles we did about a month ago, um, I just focused on the aid stations. And How often are the aid stations? So anywhere between about um, 8 to 15, 16 Ks. So our first one was 16 Ks, and then after that, the max was about 13. Okay. Um, and if you were just thinking about, okay, I've just got to get through the next 10, or and Goggin said the same thing, there, were, there was times um, that, in his races that he was just absolutely ruined and he'd just think oh well what if I can just do one more mile does one more mile oh well, what if I can just do one more mile and then every mile from when you want to stop is that confidence in the bank that you don't have to listen to that voice of self-doubt that's why I do ultras because you get to you get to work that muscle our mind and this is what Megan is about too is our mind is obviously a muscle and unless we are practicing pushing it, it wants to keep us comfortable. So if we really want to find greatness and fulfill our passions, we're not going to do that by living in our comfort zone, as I'm sure you, you know. So then we have to practice making our minds our, ourselves strong enough to overcome what our mind tells us to stop. And so throughout the ultra, I actually was hurting in the ultra. I, my first thought of wanting to stop in the ultra was 25 Ks. And thinking I have 135 more Ks left is a very scary thought to have. So but 160 I, Ks, the yeah. ultra. Oh my yeah. god! It was a it was a mongrel. But I just I used. How that. many hours did it end up taking? It actually took us 30 hours. Wow! So no stopping and sleeping. No, we did stop and we did well. We did sleep, but I didn't sleep. Yeah. It just we had the idea that because in the hundred we didn't celebrate the aid stations enough. Um, and if you don't, then it's hard to live in that aid station to aid station mindset. So when we got to the 160, we decided we're just going to really relax, recover, get water, get food. Whereas if we did it again, and we will do it again, we would like to just keep walking. So even if you're eating, just walk while you're Mm. eating rather than just sit still. I think the sleep is definitely challenging as you get onto those really high hours. I'd love to do one in about 24 to 26 hours. I think that would be- um, yeah, no sleep. Yeah. Or, or lay down for 10 minutes on the side of the road and have a nap, yeah. but not like a proper lay down. It's very hard to get back into it. Lay down for 10 minutes and yeah. wake up eight hours later. Well, the thing is, I couldn't <laughs> sleep because my legs were throbbing so much. So, yeah, but the boys, I was doing it with Will um, and CK, and they they actually got some rest, which I think was helpful for them. But yeah, had I done it again, I'd just keep walking. Um, yeah ultras are definitely a metaphor for for your life it teaches you how to embrace the highs and the lows ride the highs when they're good and when they're low just problem solve yeah talk me through the overcoming that 120 to 160 k's of mindset i can imagine is just absolute demons it was challenging had you overcome that what were you telling yourself well goggins said something in that podcast that i listened to way back at the very start and he said that when you want to stop, he uses this method that he calls the cookie jar. And every time that your mind says, oh, you can't do that or you can't keep going, there's that little voice. So you got that voice in your head, but then you got this other little voice that just says, well, what if you can? What if you do do that? And every every mile on top of when, when, you stop, when you want to stop is that confidence in the bank that you don't have to listen to your mind. And that is something that jacks me up. I just think, man, if you want to have the confidence that you ran a miler, you've got to run a miler. And I, I remember thinking that at 25 Ks in, just thinking, well, stop expecting it not to hurt and just think it's going to hurt, but you, it's not an option to stop or else you, you are going to feel, you are. I would lack confidence or 
I would lack confidence in my ability if I continued to let myself give up. Mm. So I, I thought, well, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get it done, even if I have to walk my way through this thing. So then I just thought, well, suck it up and just get it done. Um, and that's what I did. And I actually was having a problem with my hip where my muscle just switched off a little bit. It was very weird. It felt like I was dragging my leg. And that was what was making me most concerned. But it, it, I just ran through it and it, it came back about 40Ks in. And, and then I got an, an extra little wind of energy because I thought, yes, it's gone. It, this is great. So you just have to ride the highs. And when you get a problem, don't think, oh, man, this is the race over. Just think, okay, well, I've got this problem now. How am I going to fix this? Or how can we work with that? And my friend CK, who we ran it with, he that, that was the advice he gave us before we started, is he said, you're running 160Ks. You're going to have problems. Things are going to go wrong. But all you got to do is figure out how to, how to fix them and how to work with them to finish the race. And that definitely stuck with me. So. Yeah, wow. You're like, congratulations. That's Thanks. just phenomenal. I want to ask you a quick question before we finish. How did you feel watching what Ned Brockman did oh, after yeah. running and like knowing what your body goes through to run 100Ks to watch him do it the way he yeah. did it? Mm. What's your take on oh, that? He is just a lunatic. I actually watched him at the same thing that we watched um, Goggins at. And that using people – so every time that I get an excuse in my head – I like I to use do him this all thing the that time. I, yeah, that I, what would I Ned combat do? the excuse with someone else. So if you say, oh, got a sore foot. Well, Ned Brockman ran on, he was told to stop running 19, 11, Ks into, um, 11 days into doing his challenge or something crazy like that. And so you think, okay, well, if that person can push through it, it was when it was the same as when Goggins, when he first did his race, he was over a hundred kilos and had never run any longer than 20 minutes of cardio or something ridiculous mm. like that. And so I just thought, well, if Goggins can do that, then I can definitely do it. It's possible. Like use other, everything that we want to do in life has been done before. So I just think use what other people have done to combat the excuses that you mm. have. And then you have no excuse. That's definitely, Ned is hugely inspirational to so many and it's so sick what he's done because now I don't think he was always into running either, but now he serves an, as an inspiration that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you do. If you're willing to put in the work, you're going to get there. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's freaking I'm sick. speaking at an event with him next week. And I'm excited huge. to get to meet, meet him. It's going to be cool. Hopefully we'll yeah. get him on the podcast one day, but this has been an epic chat. I've um, yeah. loved getting to know your story. A few little curveballs that I wasn't expecting throughout yeah. there. And it's, um, yeah, it's really cool the community you build and understanding the why behind it is because you want to inspire people yeah. to live a different lifestyle. There's more than just going out and getting on the piss every weekend, which mm. a lot of people in our age group kind of feel obliged to do just because it's what everyone else is doing around them. So for you to give people the space, give people a place to come and mm. feel accepted but also be inspired to chase goals that might be a little bit less aligned with the status quo, it's it's really cool and it's um Thanks. exciting to see what's coming up for you guys in the future. But, yeah, I guess now's the time. What's coming up? What are you looking forward to? Um, yeah, okay. tell me about that. I know um, you've got something exciting coming up very soon. Yeah, well, I mean, now I just really like to focus on the Run Mega program, keep doing – Mega Run's having new hit-outs around the world and getting people to change their lives through Mega Run. Um, but we are also actually going, not many people know this, but we are going to Nepal in April to climb with NIMS from 14 Peaks. So I'm really excited about it. It's something out of my comfort zone I've never done before. So I'm really pumped to go do that. We're going to do Everest Space Camp in Labashay East. How'd you do is, that? Out? That guy's 
a well, weapon. Him on Joe Rogan, so interesting. The way yeah. that he trains sounds gnarly than Goggins. He is. Joe, he like, is, didn't believe him. He was like, nah. Yeah, he is the epitome of no excuses. So, um, and the way that he just, all the odds were against him to do that, what he did, but he got it done. It's just incredible. But I, I actually messaged him on Instagram and he just happened to reply um, but we also, he has his own company that does, it's called Elite Expedition. Okay. So we're going with them, See. but he's leading it. So okay. I just can't wait to just even be around someone. So you're going like to climb that. Everest? Well, no, we're going to do Everest Base Camp okay. and then we're going to do Labuschagne East, which is, I think it's um, a 6,000 meter peak. So Everest is 8,000 yeah. and I think Base Camp's five and a half or four and a half yeah. or something like that. So we're just going to see if we like it. Yeah. And then if we like it, I'd love to climb Everest. Because it's super expensive to climb Everest. Yeah, eh? yeah, definitely. But I'm not going to do something, as I said, just because I want to climb Everest. I'm only going to do it if I really love it. Because yeah. otherwise, if you die, it's not going to be worth it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep watching the journey. I'm excited Thanks, to follow kids. along on Instagram. I'll be putting everything in the show notes so everyone else can get involved and, yeah, hopefully see a few friendly faces down at the – Mega run, I'm definitely going to try and get more involved. Actually, I'm just about to I just send in a pitch. I mean, not a pitch, a thing. I'm doing something with like Hocker and the um, athlete's foot. I don't know, just an Instagram thing. But I'm getting some new shoes, so I'm going to be inspired well, to go you running. Will have no excuses. I know. Excuse. I've already got no excuses, <laughs> but I will. Uh, I am. And as well, there's been some really cool studies recently that have come out. Adelaide University showing that exercise is 1.5 times more effective than counseling and pharmaceuticals when it comes to depression. So yeah. if you're somebody who struggles a little bit with your mental health, exercise is now scientifically proven to be more effective than counseling and pharmaceuticals. So there that's you go. sick. I reckon they got the stat wrong. I reckon it's 10, 10 times, yeah. but yeah. But hey, it's being conservative, but you have to go and yeah. do something. But it's been an epic chat. I do finish Good Humans podcast with the same question for every single guest, and I'm excited to see how you're going to answer this one. But what does being a good human mean to Meg Martin? That's a very good question. Take your time. Mm, I want to think about it. Just being a good human. I think it just means being true to yourself and knowing that all of your actions are true. That's what I think it is. Absolutely love that. I got asked that by one of my guests and spat it back. Yeah. And the episode came out this morning. This is why I remember it. Yeah. And I answered something very similar. Sick. The idea that just being self-aware and understanding your actions have consequences. And yeah. yeah, we can control our own destiny once we take it into our own hands. Like it sounds like you found that mindset at quite a young age and, and now trying to inspire other yeah. people to realize that as am I, which um, is really cool. Sick. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Nah, thanks so much for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Sick. <laughs> Woo! That, that was a good question. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 